Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. And now, this is the moment you've all been waiting for. We are live on the Charity Stripe Podcast with your hosts, Alex, Josh, and Nick. We got a fantasy guru joining the boys today, right ahead of fantasy baseball season. I'm serious. You hear him. I'm a fantasy alarm. You hear him. He's been around forever. One of the best in the biz. We got Rick Wolf joining us. Rick, how you doing, man? I'm doing good. I'm doing great. Every day that I'm breathing is a good one. And any day that baseball's coming is great, too. So, <laughs> you know what? They almost it was, did it. So it was again. looking bleak. He was looking bleak for a little bit. We're, <laughs> we're back, though. <laughs> no, cer- certainly not. Just like, you know, just hey, we should be thankful that we're here. And uh, and, you know, um, baseball has gotten slow, you know, a little bit slower. But now with the betting stuff uh, in, in, I think it's much, much better. So um, I'm a baseball fan from way back at, at, you know, actually, my family is ingrained in baseball for for multiple generations. Um, so it's it's just the, the best sport and the best time of year for me. Couldn't agree more. I got into just sports in general because I would play fantasy baseball league with my father, which we still do to this day. It's rotisserie style auction national league only with seven AL teams. People look at that and they go, that is the most ridiculous with two catchers, five outfielders. First of all, having a league with two catchers is bonkers. And I love the rotisserie style, but a lot of people are moving to points. How do you feel about that? Yeah. Well, if you want the history of it, I'm glad to give it to you, but, uh, but well, rotisserie, rotisserie, of course, was not the first um, baseball head to head baseball started in 76 in Stanford, Connecticut, um, following on fantasy football, which started in 1962 with the Oakland Raiders organization, which I'm sure you're familiar with that story. Yeah. So um, but the rotisserie story, of course, David Ankret and his friends creating the rotisserie league, Glenn Wagoneer writing the rules down. And then Ankret was a New York Times book reviewer. So he made it a bestseller. So then 550,000 people started playing in the early 80s. That was 84 um, when that came out and everybody played, played rotisserie. Well, in the 90s, um, you know, all the internet companies came out. I, of course, was leading Sportsline, which became CBSSports.com and, uh, and the fantasy presence there. When Yahoo came out with their fantasy thing, they defaulted to head-to-head points. So everybody who came out of college and started playing fantasy in the late 90s, early 2000s, um, left the default settings on. And so a lot of people start and, and look, there's a lot of good things to be said about head to head points. Um, but for me, a, a purist, you know, rotisserie is the only way to play. So but that's that's how points became popular was it was the default setting at what became the most popular free site at the time because uh, CBSSports.com was was a pay site uh, for your fantasy leagues. I also yeah. think that that Yahoo is just superior in all of its fantasy sports applications. I mean, it, it's far it's better good, than yeah. ESPN. It's far better than then uh, if NFL has their own for, for, uh, for face football and same with MLB, but I love Yahoo. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, and I'll stay neutral on this cause I have friends at both places. <laughs> I, have fr- I have friends at no places. And I will say <laughs> I did NFL.com one time felt like an absolute peasant uh, Yahoo. I've been Yahoo since I was a kid. I do do CBS with my father uh, ESPN. A lot of people love just because they're always on ESPN. But the points for me, and I'm a baseball purist too, like I love the strategy of rotisserie. I love how much you have to pay attention. You know, you could kind of get like spot starts and points leagues and you could weasel your way around there with guys that qualify as RPs and SPs. It's just kind of, you, you could kind of cheat the system a little bit. But I do like the points aspect have brought in the more casual 
casual fans, the guys that don't love it as much, but can understand and grasp the points aspect better because of what they do in football. Football right. is so black and white with points. So bringing guys in like that for baseball is nice. Nick and I are in a league. We have a draft tonight. Uh, I had my other draft an auction draft, which was four hours, uh, maybe two hours too long on Friday. Uh, give it to us straight. Who are some guys you love? Who are some guys you're staying away from? Maybe in like the top 30. In the, oh, you want me to stay in the top 30? Yeah, okay, just for so, like staying away from and, and, and going for and trying to nab. Well, yeah, well, no, but, I, I, definitely, I definitely want to hear some hidden gems when you get it. Oh, yeah, of course. Yeah, well, we got both. But, it, but the, you know, the points league is very different because they, they undervalue stolen bases. So not as important. But in rotisserie leagues, um, for me, Bo knows baseball. And uh, Bo Bichette is, is, uh, is a guy that, you know, I, I drafted him when he was in the minors and when they brought him up. And I've been I've made sure that I have him as many places as I can. He has one more growth year now. Um, and then he'll set the bar as to where he is. But, but to me, you know, Bo Bichette is a guy that I like to get in the mid to late mid, mid first round, fifth or sixth pick. And then on the way back, that gives you a chance to get another power and speed combination into Kyle Tucker. So that, that's my ultimate, look, I've drafted 31 times. So it's not like, uh, like there, there's a, there's certainly a number of, a number of different combinations, but when you're in that fifth or sixth spot, to me, it's Bo Bichette, Kyle Tucker, one, two, and then off you go. I always leave pitching for later because Honestly, you can almost always find gems in the pitching platform. Mm -hmm. In yeah. a points league, it's different because they get so many points for every innings pitch that you need those 200 innings pitchers or those 200 strikeout pitchers, and you got to go early there. So in a points league, I'm generally going pocket aces in the first two rounds as opposed to your Bichette Tucker. Yeah, I couldn't agree more with you, especially because at least for me, the way I'm looking at it, you have Cole. DeGrom's already out, so yeah. he's he's off the market. Scherzer. Scherzer. Yeah, but he's yeah, obviously Mad Max Walker Bueller. And then really after that is I got to see Robbie Ray do it again for me. And now he's in Seattle. I like Gosman, the Blue Jays pitchers. Um, they'll get wins, which get you points. Um, but there is just such a steep drop off. I mean, I'm curious. What do you think about Burns? What do you think about Wheeler Woodruff? Are those guys, you know, here to stay and going to repeat? Yeah, I mean, I, I will think I think definitely. Um, I think one that you're missing is is um, is higher risk, but it depends on what league you're you're in. Is Bieber was hurt last year, mm -hmm. but his upside is massive. If he pitches 180 innings, that's 250 strikeouts you're going to get from him. 100. So, and he's a tough he's a, he's a tough competitor. And even if you get three quarters of a season, you know, he's a guy in the third round you can get. A couple more second and third rounders that I really like. Yeah. And spring training matters, right? People think string training doesn't matter, but it matters not whether or not the performances are good, how long the pitchers go. So we saw two pitchers go in the last couple of days in Nola and uh, and Berrios. Um, Berrios going going six and six and a third, I think, and and uh, and Nola had a performance, a really great performance yesterday. Um, I think it was seven strikeouts in five innings. Mm -hmm. But clearly, guys who are going five and six and seven innings now that innings are really important in those points leagues. Yeah, so, absolutely. Uh, and those are guys you can get with your third and fourth pick. If you chose to go Bichette Tucker in the, in one, two. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I've got like Nola and Giolito, obviously guys that struggled a bit or subpar compared to what we thought they were going to do last year. But those are guys I could still hang my hat on and like be, at least be, feel confident and good about going into And my auction league. I didn't walk out with an ace, but I walked out with Musgrove who I like in San yeah. Diego Barrios. I got Stroman kind of cheap. What about some of the cheaper guys like in auction leagues or guys that you could kind of stash and go after late? I like I Luis Garcia was there late and I and I nabbed him and I'm kind of high on him in Houston. Like 
like Luis Garcia, remember rookie year last year. So guys mm-hmm. are doing pretty well there. Now he's got a full year <clears throat> under his belt. Yep. Um, AL, a, a deep AL only league last night. I was able to, to get him. I had mm-hmm. to go, had to go early. I think it was a third round. Like I had to go really early. Wow. Um, it was, it was a keeper. It was a keeper league. Yeah. So my, my, all three of my first round picks were starting pitchers. Um, so, but in the middle rounds, I mean, guys, I mean, I like Sonny Gray in his new location in the middle rounds, um, you know, seven, eight, seven, eight, eighth round guys like that. You mentioned Musgrove. Dylan Cease is another guy who's in that general area. You're seeing Musgrove and Cease going in similar areas together. You know, so those are two, those are two guys in that range. I like, I like Cease better than Musgrove, no offense. Um, but just the strikeout, the strikeout possibilities for a guy who brings that much gas and, you know, with a string swing strike percentage up over 16, you know, he's the kind of guy that, that, that could take another leap. And can we dig into uh, the 31 different teams here? I want to, I want to know a little bit how, <laughs> no, you, no. Pri- how you prioritize those it's leagues. A, Is it a mix? It's 11, of- it's 11 yeah. playout leagues. Okay. So, and, and some of them are Colton and the Wolfman leagues. Um, you know, that's my radio show. And yeah. I've been playing with my, my college roommate who is the opposite of me. I'm the Wolfman, not Colton. And he is, uh, you know, he's a, uh, he's, he's America's best lawyer. He was a federal prosecutor for 10 years and, and uh, he delivers cogent arguments and, uh, and I throw crap all over them. <laughs> so um, that's sort of uh, sort of our game. So we play a lot of these leagues together. So we play in the league of alternative baseball reality. We play in AL and NL for that. We play in tout wars, AL. Um, we play in the FSGA experts national league. Uh, and we play in the FSGA best ball. And then for our show every week, we do um, at least two best balls. So for 15, for, for 10 weeks or so, we've been doing two best balls. So when I said 31, it's 11, it's 20 best balls and 11 and 11 leagues that actually get played out. I don't think I could play 31 that get played out. That's, that's insane. It's tough. We had a uh, Lisa Ann on our show ahead of the fantasy football season. And she was like in 20 leagues. And we we're like, Lisa, what do you, she just can't say no. She couldn't say she can say no. I was like, well, can we say no? Like, who's time for this? You're busy. She does this fantastic thing, third, uh, 30 dress in 30 days, um, which, yep. which I love. And so we generally have her on our, our show there. She's a friend of the show. And she's just a good human. I mean, she is right. now, uh, as you know, maybe you don't know, she is pushing um, for suicide prevention. Mm-hmm. And she's doing a walk in Manhattan. So, so I think it's a six-hour walk in the middle of the night uh, to walk into the light for uh to shine light on suicide prevention so she's just a good person yeah great plug there for our friend la we love her um who are some guys you're staying away from first round second round and maybe some guys that people are high on that are that are yeah give me something i who do i not want to draft that's what i got well i told you glenn is a is a lawyer and and i'm i'm an i'm an executive not a an analyst well an analyst i play an analyst on on the radio tuesday nights but so what we have, we have a system called the smart system. And what it allows us to do is allows us to cut down the player pool to somewhere between 100 and 150 players. And these are the only players that will roster. Every year we cut it down that way by using what we call the rules of engagement. It's basically a dumb thing because we were college buddies and we said, never leave your wingman. And so now we have these rules of engagement that, that we play against. So the players that we stay away from in general, there are a lot of rules. Players who get hurt tend to get hurt again. So injured players from last year, everybody's like, oh, bounce back year, bounce back year. You know what? You're right one out of six times. So go ahead. Brag about that one that you got right. Because so, five, out of, five out of six times, you're going to be wrong. So like Acuna and Tatis are out of your... Are, I don't, I don't own a single share of either one. Wow. Trout. Okay, so, well, Trout, Trout's, a, Trout's a different case because Trout has done it all except for one freak, freak injury. But you still give him a discount. 
Like I'm not saying never take these guys, but we have to give them a discount. And usually that discount is between 10 and 20% or so, right? Mm-hmm. So 20% on those two guys you just talked about. So we're never getting them. Yeah. But, tra- but Trout just 10%. And we do own a couple shares of him because he has fallen in other people's eyes as well, mm-hmm. which I found kind of odd. He's going late second round sometimes. And I, I, I take him every time there. Wow. Yeah. So another, another very important rule. And 68% of the time, it, it gives you negative, negative things is when a guy signs a big money contract in, uh, in a new home, not, not signing in the same place, the new home, he is 68% likely to have a season that's 15 to 20% down the previous season. Okay. There are exceptions. JD Martinez being the biggest one gets to Boston, crushes it. Right. So, um, but for the most part guys, and you can just name them all every time they go to a new city, they, they have trouble adjusting. They're, 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 Pujols is the, is the ultimate example. Goes to L.A., big contract. His, his wife can't figure out how to live in a, L.A. She moves back to St. Louis. His April is basically ruined. Early May is not great. He finally gets on track, and he crushes it for the, for the rest of the season, and still his stats look awful, and everybody says he had a bad year. right? No, he didn't have a bad year. He had a bad six weeks because everybody whose life is up, upended like that has a bad six weeks. So and this you can year- pretty much look at them all. So this year we're staying away from Seager. We're staying away from Simeon. We're staying away from Correa, Story, all those guys. Story at a discount we got we we get sometimes. And in in the League of Alternative Baseball reality, he wasn't available to be drafted because they took the twelve best free agents and they held him out. So we will get to we will bid we'll bid big on him probably because it's your it's your free agent acquisition budget instead of uh, draft capital. Do pitchers count under that rule as well? So like Robbie Ray getting a new contract. In general, pitchers get hurt 31% more than hitters. So in general, we take shots at we we take shots at pitchers instead of at at hitters. And pitchers who've been hurt been hurt before almost always get hurt again. Like they're they're the the number of times a guy who gets hurt gets hurt again. Yeah. But for guys who switch places, now I, I own very few shares of Scherzer and only because I'm a Mets fan. And uh, you know, guys who change with big contracts, you know, we stick away from. The Mets cannot catch a break. It's unbelievable. My father's, I'm a Sox fan. My my father's a Mets fan. And every year, I mean, we've been doing our show for four years. And every year I've come in and I was like, the Mets are going to do it this year. And this is the first year I'm like out on that. Like we'll do our, we'll do one of our baseball previews for our ESPN show on Thursday. And I can't get behind it. Like I can't get behind that. Like it's, I, I'm, I'm out not, on them. I'm not gonna lie. I'm sick and tired of hearing Josh talk about the Mets. So finally, he's out on them. I'm out. It's over. It's it's, it's he's got a weird affinity for I'm, them. I'm super what would you salty. What would you say about Freddie Freeman though? Because I mean, he's going into a new team that looks like it's the best roster ever put together, the best lineup at least ever put together. Don't you think he'll succeed in his new home? I uh, yeah, I do. But um, I won't own him because the odds are that 68 percent of the time he won't be. So would you got to have rule? You got to have rule. If you, if you're you have, look, to have rules, if I'm Howard Bender and I'm spending every day and night studying every single sport and, and I'm the, you know, the best analyst on the internet. Um, great. But you know, I'm, I, I'm, you know, my job is to make deals here and Glenn's job is to, is to make sure people don't go to jail. So we do those first and then we have to have some rules to eliminate some folks. So we take some percentages and that's the one we do. Okay. So, Guys that don't change homes, guys that are injured. Are there any other weird rules? Not that those are weird. Well, no, the, like- pitcher, the pitcher rules are simpler too. So um, players who throw gas are more dependable. So make sure you get, make sure you get guys who, 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 um, who throw hard Yeah, because they're more predictable. 
So then you can see a trend and the trend is real. A guy who throws slower, if his trend is great in the minor leagues, and he's killing it. When he gets to the major league, sometimes he gets shelled. Mm -hmm. And so we have to have predictability because we have a lesser number of players. So throwing gas is very important. So we look at swinging strike percentage. We look at first strike percentage and we look at below. Velo, very, very important. We got to have guys who throw 95 or, or, you know, or they're not as easily predictable. Mm -hmm. So that that's one. And age is very, very important in what we do. Right. So you see the trend. It used to be 26 and three. I don't know if you guys are old enough to remember John Benson's rule, but, uh, John, John Benson was an early rotisserie guy who used to, used to write in the, in the early nineties. Um, very, very popular sporting news, I think. Yeah. And his, his 26, three rule, three years in your third year in the majors, the eight turning age 26 or age 27 is the year that you break out. And so that's changed slightly. It's younger actually. So it's 25 or 26 instead of 26 or 27 and it's 800 at bats instead of like 1200 or 1300 at bats. If a guy has 800 at bats in the majors and is, is turning 25 or 26 during this season, this is the season he'll have a 20% pop in his power. So we watch for those guys and we target specifically those guys. So, and the same thing is true for stolen bases. When guys get older, they don't run as much. Um, or when guys power hits, they stop running because they don't want to get hurt. Mm -hmm. So guy, guys who begin to hit for power at 25 or 26 will stop running as well. And the guys who get over 30, unless your name is Marte or, or Rajay Davis, you're not running, you know, late into your, late into your thirties. Yeah. I mean, how much, how valuable, and I know you're a Mets fan is Marte for you though, because he's a category killer. He's a guy you can just pick up and I know he's on the new team. I know he's over 30, but I feel like that has to be some kind of exception to the rule because the guys are stealing less and less. I mean, we were trying to, we were yeah. trying to buy stolen bases the other day and it was impossible. Like we're trying to like nab and Colton Wong to get me like hopefully 15 steals, you know, and um, miles straw went for like a million dollars more than he's actually right. He's like, how much is he worth in real life? He goes for a million bucks. Um, but yeah, are you valuing a guy that can be a category killer higher than most and, and kind of having those exceptions to the rules? Um, well, it, you know, it all depends on how you build your, build your roster. So yeah. if you're brave, if you're brave enough, take Freddie Freeman and you're going to have average protected. Um, you know, uh, then you can afford to take a bunch of big boppers at the end who bat 220, you know, Miguel Sano or, you know, even you know, I, I really like Eugenio Suarez this year. All of them, all of the he, he was unlucky. His BABIP was so ridiculously low the last two years. He should not be batting 200. He should be batting 240. So if he hits 240 with 40 home runs, qualifies as shortstop and third base. I'm fine with that. But I got to have somebody at 275 or 280 at least to offset that. Right. So, and Marte will hit for average, so mm. it doesn't hurt you there. And you can find, you can find the counting numbers. Mm. I have this, um, this thing I just started this year. I don't know if any, it's going to catch on or not, or not, but I call it the stat frat, right? There are 45 players catch this between who are going to hit or projected to hit between 20 and 25 home runs to have 70 to 75 RBIs to have 60 to 65 runs scored and bat between 260 and 265. There's 45 players. That's the stat frat. So make sure you get a couple of those to protect your stats and that protects your batting average, which is now lower now. And then, you know, you can go out, you can go out and, and take shots at, at the guys who run or, or the guys who hit for major power. Well, speaking of shots, I do want to ask you your opinions on some of the rookies coming up this year. We got Julio Rodriguez, you've got Spencer uh, Tolkelson, you got uh, Bobby Witt Jr. I mean, what would you, what would you say advice wise on drafting guys like that? Yeah. And, um, you know, it's interesting. It depends on what your, what your style is. Right. So uh, Colton is a lawyer and uh, 
conservative. So my teams with him don't have many of those guys. My other teams have all those guys. Yeah. <laughs> and so, and you can even throw in some of the, some of the pitching side. Cause I, you know, I'm big on Hunter green. Now it throws hundred. You're going to save velocity, man. The kid in Cincinnati. Yeah. That's your guy. He throws, he throws hard. And uh, you know, so it's, it's, and he's been unhittable and now they cleared out Sonny gray. So, um, you know, I'm, I'm very, I'm very into the, the huge upside of that. I like, I think Grayson Rodriguez is probably the best pitcher in the minor leagues, not that pitch in the majors yet. Baltimore might go slow with him. So conservative Colton, you know, teams that I do with him can't, you know, can't stomach that because we can get good value with good players. You know, he's going at the same level as say a Patrick Sandoval is going, who is a pretty much a sure thing has all the saber metrics, you know, so every team I'm with Glenn, we're taking Sandoval every Mm -hmm. team I have on my own. Well, it's Hunter Green or, or Grayson Rodriguez. <laughs> I mean, look, you, especially if you're in a keeper league, like those matter. You know, mm-hmm. you want to get the young guy. I The way I won our keeper league one year is because we got Mookie cheap when he was young. Nice, nice. And so I have Mookie yeah. bad to 10 bucks. Like it goes like a 10% increase each year. I got Mookie for so cheap. And then that was like the year he like wins, like maybe not the year one MVP, but the year before that. And he was still amazing, you know. Yeah, I mean, when we're talking about all this deep stuff, you know, uh, in fantasy baseball, probably probably shutting off, um, you know, some of the more casual audience. But for the deep stuff, it depends on what league you're in, right? If you're in, a, if you're in a deep keeper league that keeps everybody a dynasty league, let's say, right? Then it's you have a different look at all these players. Um, you know, then you know you're looking at you're looking at Jack Leiter and uh, and Greg Jones, you know, um, mm. for next year. But yeah. uh, but if you're, you know, if you're, if you're not playing in that kind of league, like I play in two keeper leagues and only keep three players. So I just mm-hmm. play those straight up. Yeah. And I end up having three keepers every year. So it's hard. It's hard. You know, it's hard when you're talking about rookies, about drafting them just because they're rookies. It's so different than like the NFL or like even the NBA because the transition period is so much greater. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The transition Speaking to the show is, is, is nuts. Speaking of the NFL, I mean, I feel like fantasy football fans can never, have an off season. They're always thinking about it. Let's, let's hear some uh, opinions on your fantasy football. Um, give me some wide receivers this year that you're, you're looking to have a big bounce back or guys maybe to pop off. I mean, there's been so many changes with teams. I mean, Devonta Adams going to the Raiders, of course, Odell Beckham's still out there. I mean, he got injured during this, the Super Bowl, but there's a lot of guys that, that change jerseys. Uh, you got Woods going to Tennessee. You forgot I mean, about hear- that. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, you know, so this time, this time of year, like, you know, looking towards the draft, and other stuff like that, trying to trying to figure out what's going to happen there. I try not to predict what's going to happen there. I like to wait until after the draft is done before mm-hmm. I start looking at you know who's with what team and what's going to happen. Um, you know, but this past season I, I think was one of my, you know, one of the most fun um, fantasy football seasons for us. Um, maybe it's because we started this drafting twice a week for the show that we had so many so many draft. We'll start we'll start literally right after baseball season starts. We'll start football drafts like next week. So um, I think that's really interesting. But the wide receiver thing, you know, sometimes I think it's hard to figure out, especially since I don't go there early. I mean, mm-hmm. we have a smart system for football with its rules of engagement as well. Um, so but it's a very running back heavy uh, system. Uh, draft three, three running backs in the first four rounds, um, you know, and don't draft your quarterback until after round six. And some some pretty heavy restrictions on the way we draft. But we've been very successful. So we stick with it. So, but the wide receivers aren't a, a big part of it, of course. As a Rams fan, I like my like me some Cooper Cup. But all right, Rams. Rams and so, Mets, so how are we're, 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 we're Mets fan now? How are you a Rams fan as well? 
that we don't we don't have enough time for this story, but I'll just say it, it, it stems from Joe Namath. Okay. So um, name you know of course Namath does this when I'm five, and yeah. uh, guarantees victory, and then um, he unceremoniously gets not signed by the Jets, and then he signs as a free agent with the Rams. So I say middle fingers up to the Jets and and uh, and it, bring me the Rams, and the Rams were good at those days, even though he was a backup. You know, those those seven late 70s and early 80s Rams were very good, competitive with the Steelers, Cowboys, et cetera. So. Yeah, I mean, the, I mean, the Rams, are, it seems even when they have been bad, minus the Jeff Fisher blip, like as far as as long as we've been around, the Rams have been, you know, super competitive. They're competitive when we were kids and then obviously golf situation and then, you know, Stafford, they go on and win it. Uh, we ask all our guests this every time they come on the show to close it out. It could be from you playing, watching anything your whole life. What is your favorite sports memory? My favorite sports memory ever, any, anywhere is behind me. You can't see it, but it is. It, it's because it's blurred. I don't know why that happened, but um, it's Hank Aaron's 715th home run. So I'm a, I'm a five-year-old kid from a broken family. I have four brothers and sisters. House is crazy. I'm downstairs. I have bases set up. He hits the home run. I run around like I'm him. I'm five years old. It's just, or eight years old. It's just an amazing sports moment that made me feel like things were possible. Wow. That's awesome. That's a good one, man. We got some guys who were really close this year to hitting some milestones. I mean, we got Pujols chasing 700. I think he's 21 away. Mm -hmm. I think, uh, Maggie, Maggie Cabrera is about to hit the top 20. So they're all there, man. Well, Rick, give us a plug, man. Where can they find you? Uh, yeah, well, you can find me of course at fancyalarm.com and, uh, our pick, our sister company pickswise.com. And on Sirius XM Fantasy Sports Radio on Tuesday nights, Colton and the Wolfman from 10 to midnight. Go check him out. Rick, thank you so much for joining us, brother. We appreciate having you. All right. Peace out. Peace out. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.